Welcome to the Spirited Advocate Podcast, brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, the leading voice for the distilled spirits industry. Now your host, Chris Wonger. Hi, Spirited Advocate Podcast listeners and viewers. Thank you for being with us today. We're really, really excited. Look what I got in my hand, Maker's Mark. Now, full disclosure, uh, I grew up in the industry, 21 and older, of course, uh, under the tutelage of the Samuels family. Uh, for 15 years, I had the pleasure of working with Bill Samuels, Rob Samuels, and the entire family. So uh, I do have uh, some heritage and lineage to the great Maker's Mark brand. And uh, I've also had the privilege of watching this great brand uh, just go to unbelievable heights. And the great thing about Maker's Mark is, is it really was a trendsetter that has helped capture the growth in bourbon over the last 15 plus years. And we are pleased to have Jane Bowie with us. She is the Director of Innovation for Maker's Mark. And Jane's been with Maker's Mark for 14 years, right, Jane? Welcome and thank you for joining us. Hi, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, 14 years uh, last week. It's celebrated so anniversary. So tell us, of course, I'm very, very familiar with the Maker's Mark way. Uh, and just tell us about your evolution at Maker's Mark as we've seen enormous success for the brand over the last 14 plus years, 15 years. I mean, you've been there on the forefront of really Maker's Mark coming to life that certainly Bill Samuels expected at one point, but it's just really captured the hearts and minds of consumers all around the world. It, yeah, it's interesting. Um, we've seen, you know, amazing growth over the last 14 years, not only for makers, but as a bourbon industry and our day to day, you know, at the distillery here, it hasn't changed a whole lot in some respects, just more people doing more things. But I, I was lucky enough to come in um, at a really interesting time. Rob Samuels had just returned back to Kentucky to work for his dad. His dad made him go out and kind of earn his stripes outside of you know, the business in Kentucky and brought him back to start thinking about seeding the brand internationally. And so um, I was Rob's first hire when he had joined uh, the team back in Kentucky. And the job was basically trying to seed the brand into new global markets. We weren't doing a lot of export at the time. And so Rob and I were the international department. And I, that first year, worked in nine different countries uh, based in Louisville, and then ended up moving to Europe for about four years, working for the brand. Like you, it wasn't even a bottle at a time; it was a drink at a time. Um, and it was really the maker's way. You know, Bill Samuel's Jr. Um, one of the greatest things I think he did for the industry was just getting out there and talking, about, wearing people out about this is bourbon. Try it, right? It was, um, and it was very much an industry thing, not just a brand thing. You know, he still says it's still pie making time. It's not pie dividing time yet. Um, and so I did that for five years. And then when the bourbon boom happened, uh, I came home. There just wasn't really a job anymore, honestly. You know, we were still exporting, but suddenly the U.S. is blowing up about a decade ago. Um, and I came home and I think this industry, it, it's such a passion industry and for me, I got bit by the bug immediately. I loved everything about being at the distillery. I loved everything from the history to the process, to the agriculture, to the liquid, right? At the end of the day, no the liquid's my, my favorite part. Um, 
And so just through nagging and sheer curiosity, um, ended up in this innovation role and have been doing it for the last few years with Rob and so Jenny. Jane, now. I know. I think I've got this right. Bill Samuel's mother, Mama Samuels, came up with the, the great dripping red, red wax, of course. Yes. And uh, uh, Mr. Samuels, uh, Bill's father, uh, really focused on the liquid and so forth. One of the unique things that I remember under the tutelage of Bill is it's all about word of mouth and buzz. Could you talk a little bit about that? Where the, the maker's mark way has always been selling one bottle at a time, or as you said, selling one drink at a time. Could you talk about the buzz generation, which is an important element of maker's marks uh, approach to consumers and so forth? It really goes back to Bill Sr. just to get a little bit of history lesson on the brand. He hated marketing. Um, he referred to it as he didn't believe in invading people's airspace was how he said it. Yeah. And so when Bill Jr. joined the business, his job was to find customers. And his you know, mom made dad give son a job. And he said, you're not touching the whiskey. You're not touching the finance. Go find customers. but he had all these rules. You're not allowed to advertise traditionally. You're not allowed to bother people. He gave him like an insanely small budget. It was like $1,500 a year in 1964. And so what Bill did at the time, we were only distributed in Kentucky and it was really just their friends and the horse industry. Like you just, there wasn't a lot of distribution. Hand to hand, hand to hand. Yeah. We laughed the very first order came from our distributor in 1959 and they only ordered six bottles. They didn't even order a full case. Like they had no faith in this brand. And um, so he took that $1,500 and he went to the bar. We always laughed. He went to the bars and the restaurants and he sat there and as people would walk up, he would buy them a drink and he would talk to them about Maker's Mark. And the whole thought was Bill Sr. believed if they like it, they'll tell their friends and that will be good enough. And I don't think he and Margie had I don't know that they had ambitions, but I don't know that they ever would have believed it would be this global brand like it is today. Um, And so that was really how the brand started. And Bill believed in that, that whole philosophy. And so that's was my job. My job was to travel and talk to people about makers. Like they paid me to do that. It was insane. But that's even now, you know, at two and a half million cases, we still have an element of, of there's a human contact, a human touch from how the brand's made, you know, and how the whiskey's made, the hands touch it. Handcrafted, handcrafted, right? We will dip 30 million bottles by hand this year. That's insane, right? Um, I mean, how many brands would do that um, to how we talk about it? So we, we do, it's, you know, and we are a bigger brand. And I think we went through this interesting time, um, when we hit a million cases that it was like, do we have to go behave like a big brand or can we still be us? And I think we're figuring it out, like how to, how to be big and embrace it, but still do things our way and the way we've always done them. Now, Jane, Loretta, Kentucky is in the middle of nowhere to some degree. It's hard, right? To get there. And I've gotten lost going there a couple of times in the Kentucky Hills and so forth. But the experience one has when they visit Maker's Mark. Could you talk a little bit about that that visitor experience when 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 you finally arrive in 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 the heart of Kentucky and visit the Maker's Mark Distillery? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, 
it's, you know, we're nestled on a farm. We have 1100 acres here on Star Hill Farm. So we own our entire water source, our watershed. And so this distiller, it is, you got to really want to come here. No one's, you know, happening upon our distillery. There's no interstate close, but um, Margie Samuels really set this distillery up to be tour friendly before bourbon tourism was a thing. And so we have full access to see the entire production process when it's not COVID right now. None of the manufacturing areas are open, even though we are giving tours, but you can get in and you can put your hands in, you know, the fermenter and you can taste our beer. You can see the whiskey coming off the still. You can walk through our warehouses. Um, We have a restaurant on site now. So it's, it's really letting people be fully immersed in our process and also getting out into nature here on site. We do have a lot of land. We're very lucky and we're trying to figure out how to let people see, you know, from um, seed to sip, the entire process from the grains coming in to the bottle going out. And everybody can get their own bottle. And that's part of the great experience. It has to be done safely. You got to wear the gloves and be careful because you're dealing with hot wax. If I may uh, tell our listeners a story, and um, I'm not going to use use the name of this particular individual to protect the innocent, but Bill and I were driving to the Maker's Mark Distillery uh, with a very, very prominent, recognizable uh, politician. And uh, this particular politician was an evangelist for Maker's Mark. Every day, uh, you know, obviously in moderation and so forth, but has always just been an evangelist uh, for Maker's Mark. And when we pull up to the distillery, where we turn the corner, come into the distillery, uh, that that particular politician said, oh, my God, I've died and gone to Mecca, <laughs> which was just brilliant. And I think that passion uh, and commitment by the consumers of Maker's Mark uh, permeates uh, all throughout the brand, all, all around the world. The Spirited Advocate podcast is sponsored by Wine and Spirits Shippers Association. WSSA negotiates shipping contracts on behalf of importers, exporters, and distributors in the wine and spirits industry. Our dedication to providing efficient and economical transportation by land, sea, or air enables our members to tap into a marketplace efficiently and affordably. WSSA has nearly 600 member companies who import and export on the wholesale level from all over the world. Our unique footprint spans across most major countries, and we have partners in the freight forwarding industry strategically placed near the busiest ports to ensure our member shipments are coordinated seamlessly from A to Z. Please feel free to visit www.wssa.com for additional information. Become a member today and discover the advantages of working with WSSA. Jane, if I could, and bear with me, audience, because I want to read something that just popped yesterday. Uh, from Clay Risen, who is a very prominent uh, 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 reporter with the New York Times. So, and I'd like, to, I'd like to get you to react to this. So he posted, Clay Risen posted this on Facebook, I think just yesterday. A friend recently suggested that Maker's Mark, once the end drink for serious bourbon fans, was now, if anything, underappreciated by the same fans. I think that's right. It was the cool kid, but then it got older. And then lots of other cool kids came along. Though obviously Maker's Mark is generally doing just fine. But the thing is, I'm loving Maker's Mark these days 
Their barrel picks are some of the best around and the annual releases are astounding. They found a cool way to play around with variables without changing the basic formula. So if Maker's Mark isn't the cool kid anymore, maybe it's like the cool dad. So what do you think about that? It's pretty amazing because he does capture the evolution of the brand and the challenges of the brand because of the success that it has, right? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Clay's an incredible writer and, and what a thing to say. And I think he he's right. I mean, and we've talked about it. Um, we, we've been doing this one thing really well for 67 years. And as we have innovated and expanded out, we've been really thoughtful about how we do that. And you you talked about our consumers, right? Um, the deproofing debacle of 2013, we, we it was a pivotal moment for us in a lot of ways. And the biggest realization coming out of that was this was a brand that our consumers own and have a say in at the end of the day, because they're very passionate about the whiskey. They're very passionate about... Um, who we are and the distillery and the brand and the family. And so um, as we have thought about expanding what we do, it's all about flavor. It's all about staying true to Bill and Margie and their pioneering vision. So uh, yeah, cool kids are probably overrated anyway, right? Um, I'll, I'll take the cool dad, the cool mom. Um, but that's amazing. That's an amazing yeah. No doubt. I in Maker's Mark, along with other great brands from Kentucky, you know, from Jim Beam to Woodford Reserve, you name it. I mean, Maker's Mark and many of those great, great brands have been responsible for the rise of bourbon around the globe. Could you just talk about that mindset? You touched on it a little bit earlier, but uh, just uh, bourbon has enjoyed such great success over the last 15 plus years and probably in the you know, early 1990s, you know, nobody wanted to try bourbon, right? Uh, everybody was gravitating to vodka at the time. So could you just talk about that and how how that has really uh, contributed, it, what role Maker's Mark has done to help contribute to the rise of bourbon for everybody, which is good for everybody, right? It is. And I, and I think there's a few things um, based on what you just said. I think one of the big you know, when I came into the industry, I was telling you earlier, there were eight distilleries in Kentucky producing all of it. Um, there are 82 today. So it's we've seen over the last 10 years, just in, insane growth in different sectors, small distilleries to large distilleries and everything in between. But I think what I love about this industry is we may be competitors on the shelf, but here at home, it, it's friendship, Same. it's camaraderie, it's family, it's collaboration. And it, it was, it wasn't just Bill. I mean, Bill definitely is a force of nature, but it was the Jimmy Russell's and the Booker knows and getting together and saying, Wild turkey, absolutely. And they were all neighbors, right? They, they were, were all neighbors in Bardstown. Friends, yeah. they were neighbors. They still get together. I mean, the Kentucky Distillers Association has been around since the 1800s we're very self-regulated as an industry. And I think they, the thought was if we can grow the category, we'll all get a bigger slice, but right now we're fighting for crumbs. And there was this sense of let's do it together, you know, the bourbon trail and how that got set up. But I do think makers um, paved the way. When you look at a lot of the brands we're talking about, um, they're, they're younger in some sense. Um, I mean, 
we've been doing this one thing since 1954. That's right. Um, and so it's, and I think consumers change, you know, I think flavors had a moment over the last decade. People want more and more flavor, whether it's what they're eating, what they're drinking, with their coffee, you know, and bourbon is just, there's so much there. Um, so I, I think it was just the stars aligned really well. Jane, as you well know, uh, the industry has been, been male dominated over the years. Uh, what do you think about that? How have you been able to navigate that? as a uh, as a female within our great industry, where certainly the industry certainly recognizes it needs to do much better in diversity and so forth. So, you know, I growing up in Kentucky, um, it you saw women in the industry and and I there were a lot of women that came before me. I mean, our co-founder was a woman. This brand was at the end of the day, you talked about it. We have a saying here, you buy your first bottle because of Margie, you buy your second bottle because of Bill, right? If the whiskey tastes terrible, nobody's buying the second bottle. But um, so I think for me, you know, I, I've had a lot of male mentors that brought me in. You know, it is traditionally a male dominated industry. I think that's changing. And there were a lot of women who came before me that did the heavy lifting on that. Um, in terms of diversity, yeah, I, I think we do need to do better. And, you know, our parent company at Beam Centauri, we just hired our first um, chief diversity. diversity. That's yeah. Right. yeah. She's actually, um, because of the times we haven't gotten to physically meet her yet. But, um, you know, I think the industry is trying to do better and we've got a long way to go, but we're taking those steps. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how it changes. Um over the years, but for my own experience, it's never felt weird or different. Um, it's it's just growing up in Kentucky, women were always in bourbon. Absolutely. So. And Jane, as we've all been navigating the the challenges with the pandemic and all wanting to keep everybody safe, how did the Makers Mark Distillery uh, just manage that in the early days? I mean, we're sitting at a Around around the time that the whole world had to automatically go virtual in quick order, uh, did the Makers Mark Distillery keep the trains running on time while just navigating all that? I'm sure that was an anxious time. Uh, this time, you know, last March of 2020, right? Yeah, I mean, I think Denny Potter's aged quite a bit in the last 365 days. Um, yeah, I mean, it was business as usual from a manufacturing. We got we have a a really great team um, from a health and safety standpoint that stepped in and from screens up and bottling to get distancing, you know, to, we didn't no longer were going into other manufacturing areas. Everyone stayed in their own departments. I was telling you, I love outdoor meetings. Like we have a, a morning ops meeting with department yeah. heads that I think we will continue to do outside now for the rest of time. It's so much likes. better. When the day's nice, you'd rather be outside than sitting yep. in a conference room, right? It's, yeah. Um, the biggest thing we missed were our visitors. You know, we get about 170,000 visitors a year and suddenly the campus felt quiet and it felt empty. Um, and so not having visitors throughout has, it's, it's, been hard. it's, yeah. it's changed the spirit of the place. But I think, it's going to make us all appreciate them more, right? I think everybody, even our warehouse guys are like, I really miss seeing people on campus. Um, and that's getting back, right? Yeah. Um, 
slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. Um, but I, I can't speak highly enough of the job Denny's done to keep us all safe and keep us all in jobs. Like we've been lucky. It's felt pretty normal a lot yeah. of the time. Okay. Usually now, last round of questions. You used to travel all the time. You're probably like staying close to home in Kentucky. But if you could have a maker's mark anywhere in the world, just for a moment of time, where would you be? Oh, a tough one, right? Tough one. And and how would what would be your favorite Maker's Mark cocktail? I guess both <laughs> of those. I'd love to have a Maker's on ice from like pure ice from Antarctica or something. I think that would be cool. That'd be pretty cool um, with a good water source. Um, I'm I drink my Maker's honestly. I drink it neat with a beer back usually. Um, you can tell I grew up in Kentucky, but <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if I'm out and people are going to make me cocktails, I'm thrilled. I do not make cocktails myself. Um, but yeah, I think it would be cool to, to actually be somewhere remote. You know, I've gotten to launch the brand in a lot of different countries. I've had a really fun career. Um, so I think somewhere completely remote that I never could have dreamed Maker's Mark would exist would be a really Absolutely. Cool Ordering up a Maker's Mark and some, some, tiny bar or hut uh, around the world, maybe on the beach or something, right? So, For sure. Well, look, on behalf of the Distilled Spirits Council, uh, thank you. I mean, this brand is unbelievable, and this brand has really contributed in a big way the rise of American whiskey around the world. And Jane Bowie, uh, and her nickname for everybody to know is Connor. I think, uh, Jane, that's your husband's that's your husband's last name. Is that right? Or Connor is my maiden name. And I your maiden my, name. Okay. So Bill and Rob, you know, even though my husband works here as well, they refuse to accept I changed my name. So <laughs> I'm still Jane Connor to them. Jane Connor, got it. Well, on behalf of Discus and Responsibility.org, Jane, thank you for everything that you do for the industry. Thanks to Bill Samuels and the Samuels family for their leadership. And uh, great cheers. And thank you for being on the Spirited Advocate podcast. Cheers. Thank you, Chris. And thanks Thanks. for everything you do for the industry. You bet. Thank you. Cheers. The Spirited Advocate podcast was brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. If you'd like to be a guest speaker on the show or send us topic suggestions to cover, please contact us at podcast at distilledspirits.org. And please like and share these episodes. Your support is very appreciated.